I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and we are back into our studies in 1 Timothy. We are in chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So, good morning, or it may be good afternoon or good evening, whatever time it is, as you are viewing this video. God has granted to us another opportunity to study His Word to equip ourselves for better service to him and to others. And our study is located this time in 1 Timothy and in chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So perhaps you will recall something I've mentioned before, that chapter and verse divisions in the Bible are there for reference purposes. They do not necessarily mark out definitive units of thought. And so when you come to the end of a chapter in the Bible, the temptation is to put two periods there, the period at the end of the sentence and the period at the end of the unit of thought. I'm saying that second period is not really there. Often in the Bible, the flow of thought at the end of one chapter continues into the next chapter, and if we ignore that flow, we may miss something. Let's look at the transition from the end of 1 Timothy 1 into 1 Timothy 2, and you'll see what I mean. At the end of chapter 1, Paul wants Timothy to be aware of two very dangerous men who made shipwreck their faith. Hymenaeus and Alexander had made such a mess of their own destiny, had been guilty of such impenitent blasphemy. Paul said, I've handed them over to Satan. Now, when there are men like this who must be dealt with according to their works, who are a spiritual danger to Christians, one necessary response is to pray. To pray for anyone who might be guilty. To pray for anyone who might be headed toward shipwreck. To pray for anyone who might be deceived by such men. To pray for faithful preachers and Christians that they might uphold the truth and be right with God themselves. Prayer. Because that's God's objective. It says, God 
desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus gave himself a ransom. He is the one mediator between God and man. Paul was appointed to preach all of this, and here he is urging Timothy and teaching others like us to pray, for this is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So here's what I need to do. I want to read from chapter 1 into chapter 2 for the sake of continuity. I believe this will help us see how all of this is related. So I'm going to go back and read again, and I'm going to start at verse 18 in chapter 1 and read down into chapter 2. You ready? This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. It is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. You see how well that all comes together. When you read the last part of chapter 1, and just keep reading into chapter 2. Now, we see the main idea, the big picture here. Let's take a closer look at some of the details. We know how key words in a passage can help us. Like Sunday, we were talking about the words charge and entrust back in chapter 1, verse 18. Well, in this text, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, there is a key word. It is a key word that I missed for 35 or 40 years. I read this passage over and over, and I taught this passage and preached from it, and I missed one little important word. But I discovered it a few years ago, and it really helped me understand the richness of this passage. I'm talking about the little word, all. Look back in the passage. It's obviously a key word in this section, and it conveys something to us about God that he has an interest in, the eternal welfare of everybody, 
all men. So we are to pray for all men, even those who are moving in the same direction as Hymenaeus and Alexander, that they don't get there. We are to pray for all in positions of authority, high and distant, or low and local. God desires all people to be saved. Jesus gave himself a ransom for all. So we're not reaching or spinning or assuming or interpreting vague impressions. This is written all over the passage right here on my page and your page in 1 Timothy chapter 2. That key word, all. But we're ready now to dig just a little deeper. There are four ways Paul describes prayer. Petitions are, in some translations, supplications. Those are simply requests. If you work in an office, you may fill out a requisition. You are asking for something to be supplied. Prayers is the more generic word for all our communication to God through Christ. Intercessions, you're asking God on behalf of another, speaking to God through Christ about a friend in trouble, a family member estranged, a member of the church seriously ill, a sinner you want to reach with the word. Thanksgivings are, just as we think, expressions to God of our gratitude for his blessings. These should be made, Paul says, for all people, because this is the scope of God's love and concern, ultimately, that all may be saved. All right, to stress the inclusiveness of this, Paul goes into some detail in verse 2. He says, for kings, and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I want to talk to you about something. In the mid and late first century period, the people of Ephesus and Asia Minor were far removed from the highest rulers in the Roman Empire. They knew their names and saw their images impressed on their coinage, but knew the tyranny of these leaders, the tyranny these leaders were capable of, that they often suffered under. So they didn't have close contact with these leaders. They didn't have the ordinary news feeds that we have today about the positions of the leaders and everything, but they knew the tyranny these leaders were capable of and they often suffered under their rule. They didn't really know them and may have been disinclined to pray for them, especially cruel, selfish men like Nero. But God wants all people to be saved, to come to repentance, to be saved by Christ. So in our supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings, we are to be as inclusive as God is in wanting all people to be saved, but also wanting the rulers to lead in such a way 
that there is peace and quiet. And good people can live godly lives with dignity. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That God desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth is seen in the work of Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. We would certainly expect that God's desire for all men would be perfectly reflected in the person and work and teaching of Jesus Christ, in his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension. And it is. He gave himself a ransom for all. At the proper time, in the fullness of the time, the gospel was announced, and all were invited to come to Christ and receive the benefit of freedom based on his payment of the ransom. So, verse 7 for this, Paul said, for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Let's go back and read our passage. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. That's our passage, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 11. Takeaways. I think this passage immediately rebukes the narrow provincialism we may be tempted to adopt in our thinking and praying. Let me explain. We pray for people we love, people we want to survive. We pray about ourselves and our needs, our sins, our families, Christians we know. Sometimes our praying may reflect a very narrow provincialism, just a small circle around us. We may neglect praying for the likes of Nero or Hymenaeus or Alexander. We may be resistant to pray for political leaders with whom we have strong disagreement. We need to pray for all people that they might come to a knowledge of the truth, decide to be forgiven by Christ, and live under his authority. That key word, all. Notice, one object of this praying 
is for, simply put, peace and quiet. To be left alone to practice Christianity. To be free to worship according to our conscience. To be able to preach the gospel. To not be asked to support causes and practices you believe are morally wrong. We are privileged to speak to God through Christ asking for peace and quiet. There are Christians around the world who have never known the peace and quiet and freedom that we have. They need to have a place in our prayers. In order to be saved, the sinner must come to the knowledge of the truth. We are not to pray to God asking him to save people in their sin so they can continue in sin. No, our interest must match God's that people will come to a knowledge of the truth of the gospel and transform that knowledge into the way they live and respond to God. Because there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. I want us to stop here and think about this essential aspect of what Christ does for us, the one mediator. One of the first times in the Bible we discover the role of mediation is with the Jewish nation, Moses and the law. Do you remember the people could not approach God directly? And do you remember, according to Galatians 3, 19 and 20, the law was given through the mediation of angels? Well, the common idea here is no matter how much we repent and how good we become, we cannot approach God directly. He is too holy and we too unholy, but only through Christ can we approach God, be in fellowship with him and serve him and please him by being disciples of the mediator, the one mediator, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for listening.